0: Well, good morning. I am so excited to be here with you guys today. Um, If you don't know me, I feel like most of you do. But if you don't, my name is Carrington. I have been pastoring here for the past four and a half years, which is so crazy. God is so, so good. I'm happy to be here and a part of this church and seeing the future of this church unfold. Um, I'm married to Josh, who is the worship pastor and youth pastor here, um, for six months now. So newly married, but yeah, we're having an awesome time. So today I wanted to just um, give you a little bit of my testimony to start off. Two stories from my testimony, and then we'll dive into the message. So the first story actually goes all the way back 23 years ago, December 31st, 1997. Julia's birthday, too. (laughs) Julia and I share a birthday. So anyways, I was being born that night, Okay, Healthy pregnancy, healthy mama, everything was normal for my mom until she was delivering me. Little did she know that that night, I would actually go into distress. My body would shut down in a way. So as I was coming out, I sucked back something called meconium, which is kind of yucky stuff that floats around um, inside your mother's womb while you are you know, growing inside. So I sucked that back, or aspirated in other words, and tore my air sacs, sending my little infant body into shock. I was born completely blue, um, I had no heartbeat, I was not breathing, and I had an APGAR score of zero, which is the lowest score that you can get when, like, that's happening. So. That was not good. Um, My mom didn't really know what was happening, obviously. (laughs) She didn't really know what was happening. She was kind of confused. She thought, she's probably not supposed to be that that blue (laughs) coming out. So as this is happening, a doctor who had already worked his 24-hour shift at the hospital was walking out, exiting the building. He hears the commotion going on in my room and walks in, drops his stuff on the ground, walks into the room and grabs me from the table by the ankles like this. Think of me dangling a little baby infant and runs me down the hallway upside down to the neonatal intensive care unit where him and a team of other professionals worked to fully resuscitate my body to this day. My parents have no idea what happened in that room. I even, I called them last week trying to get all this information, and I said, did you ask? Like, did you ask what happened? And she said, we were so worried. We were so, and then we're so excited that you were alive, that we didn't even think to ask what had happened. All we know (laughs) is that God performed a miracle in that room that night. I was born without life, but I'm so, so thankful that God decided to give me life, and that's why I'm here today, which is so exciting. So fast forward 18 years, okay, 18 years. I am just hired here at the church, I was a young young girl, (laughs) just hired at the church, and it was 50 days into being hired here at the church. We were full swing ahead. We had kids camps, and picnic in the park, and block party, and outdoor services, and we had our fall programs coming, so I was busy. It was a very, very busy time. And I remember um, coming home one night, I don't even remember what the event was that I came home from. This is how much of a blur it is. And I came home w- late one night, it was around 9, 9.30, And I get into uh, my parents' house, and I wanted some chips. I wanted to just wind down, have some chips, watch a show. And so I'm looking around, and of course, my mom was probably on a health kick at the time, and we didn't have chips, so thanks, Mom. (laughs) So I grabbed, um, you know those mixed nuts with the blue lid from Costco, the Kirkland Mixed Salted Nuts? Any Costco lovers in the house this morning? Woo-woo! Okay, I'll plug Costco. Anyway, so I grab a handful, you know, pop them in my mouth, enjoying some salty snacks, watching a show. Moments later, I began gasping for air. I never was allergic to nuts. I was the nut queen. I love eating my nuts every single day, getting my protein. Um, But yeah, completely gasping for air Airway closing, no idea what's happening. I remember in that moment being in the living room thinking like, what is going on? So I ran outside thinking I needed fresh air, right? You feel that fight or flight coming in and I ran outside to get fresh air and nothing was working. My family didn't have EpiPens because we never experienced allergies before. We never had allergies in our family before. So I'm there waiting on the front steps of our house gasping for air and then all I remember was waking up in an ambulance on, t- on our way to Met Hospital in Windsor, and they had no idea what was going on. Little did I know that night that that was going to be <laughs> a very long health journey ahead, very, very long. So as things were happening and moving forward, From that day on, I began having full-blown anaphylactic reactions every 11 days for nine months. It was literally to the day. We knew every 11 days I was gonna have this crazy reaction. Sometimes they came worse, sometimes they came back to back. One weekend, I remember in the summer of 2016, I had a reaction Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night, all back to back. With every injection (laughs) being injected into my body, my body began to grow weaker and weaker. And then the drug started not working. So I went from needing only one EpiPen per episode to two, and then three, and then one episode where they actually gave me four EpiPens which I don't know if you know, (laughs) but medical background and all those types of things, really, really bad for your heart, races your heart like crazy. So I'd be in the ambulance, heart beating out of my chest, just what is going on? I was calling out to the Lord one time, actually, in the ambulance, and the guy was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I am praying, like, I need God right now, because it was so, so crazy. But here's the most bizarre thing that still gets me to this day. Doctors have no idea what it is. I have had allergy tests after allergy tests after allergy tests coming back saying, I am allergic to nothing, yet I was having anaphylactic reactions all the time. They had no idea what was going on. So until a doctor who was very determined and had a faith of his own, he helped me figure out what was going on. So it ended up being that I have something called idiopathic anaphylaxis, which means they don't know. <laughs> it's an easy way of saying, let's cover it up with a name. But they have no idea. There's, I, have, I have a latex allergy with latex gloves, all those things. But besides that, they have no idea why one time I could eat something one day, and then the next day I would have a reaction to it. So that was quite interesting, but this doctor worked really hard with us. I got to know him really well. <laughs> He's an awesome man. But anyways, we worked really hard with him and they found a drug after tons of experimenting. If you've been a person who have had to experience different types of drugs and the different side effects, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun to have to experiment to see what kind of drug was going to work. So that was really rough on my body. So, although this drug that they have figured out to help me, it is vicious. Some days I feel sicker than a dog. (laughs) Other days I'm totally fine. Um, I get it once a month. I get these injections, and it's not awesome. It's not a healthy thing to be on. In your first year of being on this drug, uh, each month they give you a pamphlet of more and more side effects, more and more side effects, more and more side effects, and it's... It's moments like that when you get that paper and you're thinking, why me? Why me, God? So as you can tell, we've all been in those situations where, you know, we feel as though God is not really there. We kind of question I gotta move this along, okay. Um, In John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I know that there is areas in our lives where the thief has tried to come steal, kill, and destroy. Certain areas, whether that be our finances, whether that be our health, all those types of things. I know we've experienced that. But the biggest thing here is beginning to understand the why. Why do we experience these things? Why is it? I've been in countless meetings with people over the years, and they're telling me these situations, and they're telling me these things that are happening in their lives. And as a pastor, as somebody who wants to help them, I want to fix them. I want to give them that magical solution that's going to help them get from point A to point B. But the problem is, my friends, it's not that simple. It's a vicious cycle of always understanding and continuing to read God's word and plug into him with the question of why. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I wish that I could come up here and tell you that I've got the answer, but I daily struggle with this as well. So I'm preaching right to myself because there isn't an answer. But I hope that today we can gain a better understanding together about this. So, like I said, this is one of the hardest parts of the Christian faith and walking with the Lord is understanding why. So we go back to the beginning of the world with Adam and Eve. You guys know the story. God created the world. And because of Adam and Eve's personal choices to walk away, we're now faced with pain, with suffering, with injustice. The world is not great, right? We're, we're faced with these certain things. However, this does not mean that God is allowing this stuff to happen to us. It's not, it's not God. Here's what is so interesting. I love this, someone very wise once told me this, God sometimes allows people to experience suffering for his glory, to then carry out a testimony on the earth of perseverance and of patience. Now, can I say something? If you're in that time where you are the person suffering for his glory, I think I can say this, it sucks. It really sucks. It is the most difficult, tough, heart-wrenching situations that you'll be in. It sucks. It's not awesome. It's very difficult, but this is where we begin to move forward with personal perseverance. Here are some of my (laughs) tips. (laughs) So it's very difficult for us in our modern culture to imagine what ministry was like in the time of Jesus in Israel. Here's where it's an interesting part. The Romans, while uh, the, well, the Jews were experiencing so much hatred from the Romans. They were being abused physically, emotionally, spiritually. There was, there was tough times for them. The Romans were brutal. They were violent oppressors. They were people who would take any chance to whip their subjects into submission. They despised the Jewish faith, like literally despised it. Daily living for a Jew was an act of faith. You get up, you think, I don't know what's going to happen today, right? Because all of these rules were around them. They spent every waking moment trying to keep the Torah, which is commonly known as the law of Moses or the Mosaic law. They were trying to keep this. This was a big law for them. As well as the 600, listen to this part, 600 plus man-made laws, that were enforced on them by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So, life for them was not awesome. They were living in a very legalistic, heavy burden type of life. Everyday life was not easy. So, this is, this is an interesting part, though. I love this in Mark 5, where Jesus performs such a beautiful miracle. So, we talked about this. Okay, so, let's read this. Okay, so, in Mark 25, verse 34, it says, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For for she thought to herself, If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of this terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? I'm trying to see where I'm at. I'm like blind up here. Next slide. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I can't see. (laughs) Okay. Jesus realized at once, yeah, so he touched my robe. His disciples said to him, look look at this, there's so many people around. We don't know who touched you, pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had just happened to her, came and fell at the feet of Jesus, right on her knees. And she told him what she had done. And he said to her, and I can just imagine, as I was reading this scripture and just going through it, I can imagine Jesus not even looking down to her, because that was not who Jesus was. He would have got right down with her. He would have knelt with her, and he said, daughter, you're healed. Like, go in peace. It's all good. He wouldn't have looked down. He would have knelt down and been right there with her in that moment, in that part where her life, she took a huge risk. She literally... Touched Jesus, which meant he was now unclean in their law. He was unclean because she was somebody who was suffering of this condition. She was an outcast. It said that she had lived for over a decade in a perpetual state of shame and of pain. She was alone. She took a huge risk. She was an outcast. She wasn't involved. She wasn't allowed to go to church. She wasn't allowed to do things like this. She was alone, but she felt she had nothing to lose. So she took a really big risk because she knew that there was something different about Jesus. She knew there was something different. She waited with patience and pushed with perseverance through that crowd. Can you imagine all these people surrounding Jesus? And she's crawling, trying to get to Jesus to touch the hem of his robe, because she knew if she did, she would be healed. When she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she was instantly healed. Though Jesus became a ritually unclean person by her touch, she became clean. And more importantly, she became whole again, which is so, so good. This story gets me every time. Now, maybe some of us won't experience healing until we're in God's presence in heaven, which, like I said earlier, it sucks. It really, really does suck if we're experiencing this suffering. But like that quote I said earlier, where you may be suffering for his glory. Think of it that way when you're in those moments where you're having situations arise in your life or health issues. You're suffering for a purpose. You need to change that suffering into purpose, although it really is really hard in the moment to be able to be that light and be that example of perseverance and of patience through all of these things, it is in those moments where we need to push forward as much as we can. But I just imagine some days when I'm having a rough day with my own health issues, I imagine meeting Jesus face to face, and I just imagine the feeling of all of this health issues and everything going on being abolished forever which is such a cool thing. So I love this because with God, no is never the end of the story. There's always a continuing. There's always a continuation of what is to come because God has the throne. Throughout scripture, we're reminded time and time again of God's faithfulness. Here's a few examples for you. In the book of Exodus, I love this, The Israelites are trying to get away, right? They're they're fleeing. They're fleeing away. They're running away. They're trying to get away from Egypt. They were slaves for a long time. And they get to the Red Sea. They're stopped. They think this is a dead end. They think they have nowhere to go. There's nothing left to do. But God makes a way, (laughs) because God has the throne. He makes a way. Later on in the book of Exodus, they're continuing their travels up to Mount Sinai, and they're getting hungry, tired, and agitated. They're like, I wish I would have just stayed back there. At least I had food. At least I had somewhere to, you know, call a home. And that night, a flock of quail comes and lands in their camp and provides meat for them. And then in the next morning, that you know the story about the bread on the ground? He provides. Why? Because God provides. He does. He provides for his people. Then we think in Esther, love this part, the people were in danger, but God uses Esther to save their lives. Why? Because God protects his people through it all, through it all. These are just a few examples, church, of the countless times that God has been faithful. I love this verse. 2 Timothy 2 verse 13 says, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Even in those hard moments when you go home to tell your spouse you lost your job or you get that heart-wrenching diagnosis from a doctor, he remains faithful. Through it all, he is faithful. Lord. He will not be shaken. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He is, like we said this morning, the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. He will be with you through it all. In those moments when you think that there is nothing that he can do, he will do it. We got to believe. We got to believe he is faithful. It says in Isaiah, 43. I lost my notes. I got excited. All right. <laughs> it says in Isaiah 43, when you walk through deep waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, you will not drown. You will not drown. When you walk through the fire, in those moments when we feel that fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. Church, can you stand for me? We're going to worship this last quick little song. I want you to think about the areas in your life where you need some help, where you need God to intervene, and then we're going to pray. So we're just gonna-